I mentioned a couple of weeks ago that these are very, very important weeks for our church. The series that we're wrapping up today with Robert Morris, and then what we're doing is next Sunday, I'm going to start a brand new series. You're going to learn something about yourself that maybe you don't think about. Maybe you've never thought about it. I'm not going to give it away, but I will tell you this, and this is what we're going to look at next week. Uh, Jesus said, uh, he said, this is who I am, this is what I do, and he described what that was. He said, I am, and he and he just sort of declared that to people. What is very, very unique, later, he makes reference to his followers, which would be now inclusive of us in the same way, and he said, now you are in the same words that he used to describe himself. He then used to describe us, and there's something important about us, and I want you to see it. I've already been walk, working on that talk and the talk that will happen the week afterwards, and then three weeks from today, we're going to be at Easter. It is going to be our best Easter ever. It is going to be an amazing day. We're actually going to do three different services. We're going to shorten them up. We're going to do three one-hour services. We're going to do the first one, 8.45 to 9.45, and then we're going to do 10 to 11. And then we're going to do 11.15 to 12.15. And I want you to do everything you can to get your friends that are here. Invite your unchurched friends. Think about relationships that you have. I've already been thinking about the people that uh, I'm going to be inviting to come and to be my guest on Easter. I've been thinking about the people, you know, the, the restaurants that I go to. And believe it or not, I do go to more than just Chick-fil-A. I go there six days a week for breakfast, but I got other places I go. And I've built some good relationships with the wait staff and some of the business, some owners. I want to use that. Uh, my friends at the gym, uh, I already know the ones that I'm praying for and going to invite. And we've got a lot of these Easter invite cards that are available. There's a couple in your bulletin, but we've got more out at the information table. I'm telling you, friends, it's going to be an incredible Easter. We're calling it Easter in 3D. It's going to be the best one that we've ever done in our 10-year history. Can you believe next month we're going to be celebrating 10 years here at Lakeside Village? Can you believe that? Isn't that amazing? When I came out here 10 years ago, when I was 25 with you, to just imagine, 10 years later. But uh, God is going to give us our best Easter yet. But you've got to get your friends here. And you'll be so glad that you invited the people that you work with, the people that you know at the gym, the people that you have built relationships with, your neighbors that you know, and do everything you can. And you make sure that you are in the same service they're in. Say, hey, I'm going to meet you out in the lobby. I want you to sit with me, and we're going to hang out together. You can even tell them, hey, the service is only an hour long. And then here's what they're going to say. say they're going to say something like this. Well, I would come but I don't have church clothes. Well, you go ahead and tell them. Our pastor doesn't either. So you let them know that and tell them come right on. And so we're going to have a great time. Be sure to get, we got more cards. Take as many as you need, but be sure you use them effectively. Have you enjoyed the Robert Morris series the last couple of Sundays? It's great, great stuff. Robert Morris is an incredible, probably one of the greatest communicators I've ever heard in my life. He pastors a great gateway church in the Dallas Metroplex area. It is a church now that runs 25,000, 30,000 a weekend at the main campus and their uh, satellite campuses. And uh, there's nobody that teaches this subject. And uh, for those of you that are new to our church, uh, we do this one time a year. We take three weeks and we just talk about, you know, how God wants to bless us and stewardship and generosity. And, you know, whether we admit it or not, we're thinking about money all the time. All of us are. But how do we use it in a way that honors God and pleases God and sets ourselves up, as Robert Morris has been talking about, to be blessed by God? So I want you to sit back. This is, I'm just telling you, friend, you're going to see it. You'll believe it when we get to the end. This is the best one of them yet. It's a little bit longer than the first two, not a whole lot, but I want you to sit back as Robert Morris talks to us about how do you have a blessed life. So this is the uh, last week of the Blessed Life series, and uh, as we've done every week, I want to welcome the churches that are joining us right now. So can we welcome the churches, all the churches all over the country that are joining us right now for this series? And I want to ask you to turn to Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9. Th this is the um, funniest message in the series, just so you know. It's, you're going to have a good time in church today, and that is allowed 
to laugh in church. It's allowed. Uh, so turn to Luke chapter 9. Uh, and let me just let you know a little bit as I go before I get in this, the scripture. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a math person. I've, I've, I've told you that before. Uh, I think in numbers. And uh, people ask me like, uh, are you for this? Do you want to do this? Uh, do you want to expand Pastor Robert in this way? Or Debbie will ask me about uh, maybe remodeling something. So, okay, you, She knows this by now. My team knows this by now. Um, until you say a number, I don't know if I'm for it or not. I can be for it philosophically, but I may not be for it because you might be thinking a completely different number than I'm thinking. And I've even shared with Debbie, I can't hear the words that are coming out of your mouth <laughs> until I hear a number. It's like listening, some of you, this might age you, but it's like listening to Charlie Brown's parents. Uh, I, what I hear is, what, 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 $4,000. I heard that. I heard $4,000. That's what I heard. And, and, and that's okay. I can, I can decide how long will that take me to fulfill the what, what, what. But I, I have to have a number. Okay. In the same way... The title of this message is The Principles of Multiplication. Multiplication is a mathematical term, like addition or subtraction or division. But multiplication is better than addition when it comes to our resources. And our God is a God of multiplication. He is a God who can multiply so let me ask you a question, okay? And you can answer me out loud at all the campuses and all the other churches. Would it be all right with you if God multiplied your resources? Yes. Would that be all right? Okay, let me show you the two principles of multiplication from a very famous passage. Luke chapter 9, verse 12. It says, when the day began to wear away... The twelve came and said to him, Should the send the multitude away, that they may go into the surrounding towns and country and lodge and get provisions, for we are in a deserted place here. But he said to them, You give them something to eat. And they said, Well, we have no more than five loaves and two fish, unless we go and buy food for all these people. For there were about 5,000 men. Now, let me stop just for a moment. Because many, many people believe that Jesus fed 5,000 people. But that is not the case. Though in Jewish culture at that time, the way they counted crowds is they only counted the men. Because they were counting families. So when it says there were 5,000 men, if you include the, the spouses and the children, and assuming that just each family had just two children, which... Per capita at that time, it was four to five. But let's just say there were only two children. That'd be husband, wife, two children. That's four times 5,000. That's 20,000. This is a much larger miracle. Now, let me just, just so you know, the Bible backs this up. Stay in Luke 9. But the parallel passage of this scripture in Matthew 14, verse 21 says, Now those who had eaten were about 5,000 men besides women and children. So you can refer to the feeding of the 5,000. That's fine. As long as you know in your mind it's 5,000 families, not 5,000 people. So this, with five loaves and two fish, I would say that our God is a God of multiplication. Okay? Let, go back to verse 14. There are about 5,000 men. And he said to his disciples, make them sit down in groups of 50. I just want to comment here that Jesus is also a math person. And they did so and made them all sit down. And then he took the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke them and gave them to the disciples to set before the multitude. So they all ate and were filled, and 12 baskets of the leftover fragments were taken up by them. Now, again, because numbers jump out at me, I think, well, why were there 12 baskets? And there are some re uh, reasons theologically because of the region they were in. It was called the region of 12 and things like that. Uh, but one reason could have been that uh, Jesus wanted each disciple to have a doggy bag. I mean, it could have been, could have, I'm just saying, all right? Twelve baskets left over, all right? Now, here's what I like to do. I don't know if you've ever done this before, but I like to put myself in a Bible story. 
Have you ever done this? And, and imagine how would I have responded had I been there that day. So I want you to do that today. That's what we're going to do today, all right? I want you to imagine you're one of the 12, all right? And you're on the Messiah Search Committee. And you've got a great candidate. He's healing the sick and raising the dead uh, and walking on water, which is like a bonus messianic sign. It was not prophesied in the Old Testament. Jesus, like, threw it in as a bonus. And uh, so... You, you, you have a, a high attendance weekend, okay? And so everyone sends out a mass email and you tweet about it and you have the largest crowd you've ever had. Most theologians believe this is the largest crowd that, uh, with whom Jesus ever spoke. Most theologians believe that. Uh, so all these people, 20, 25,000 people. I mean, it's phenomenal, all right? And so you have real good worship and let's say it's a Sunday morning service and then you turn it over to the guest Messiah to speak, and uh, he gets up, and at 12 noon, he should be, you know, wrapping up. That's, that's the way the time of service should end if it begins at, you know, 1045 or 11, so it ought to be wrapping up about that time, but he keeps going. One o'clock, he's still going. Two o'clock, he's still going. I mean, if this is during football season, you've already missed the first game. <laughs> Three o'clock, four o'clock. Five o'clock, six o'clock. Okay, listen, I am not exaggerating the text. Look, look, look at verse 12. It says, when the day began to wear away. You know what that means in the Greek? In the Greek, that means when the day began to wear away. <laughs> so this is just my holy imagination. I think the disciples formed a little committee. And I think they said, what are we gonna do? <laughs> I mean, this is good, but this guy, he won't shut up. I mean, he's going all day. We've not had lunch break, snack break, anything. And I'll tell you what, if I don't eat soon, I'm going to die. <laughs> I'm right here. I'm going to die right here. I promise I will die if I don't get something to eat soon. And I think one of them probably said, you know what, that's it. And they said, what, what, what's it? Let's tell Jesus that the people are hungry. He seems to care a lot about the people. <laughs> he, he doesn't seem to care much about us, but he does seem to care a lot about the people. So now let's pretend that you get elected the spokesperson, all right? So I want you to see this in your mind. Jesus is up there. He's speaking. He's teaching thousands of people, and you approach him while he's speaking. That is the inference from Scripture is that he was still speaking when they went up to talk to him, all right? So see it in your mind, all right? So you say, uh, Lord, hey, Lord, excuse me. Excuse me, Lord. Excuse me! Uh, boy, this has been good today. I tell you, this is, this is really good. This series of messages that you're bringing all in one day. Um, but... Um, we, we, we were talking, and, and, and we feel like that, that the people are getting hungry. Uh, now, I could go all night. I was just saying to the guys, I said, John, I could go all night. I tell you, this is so good. Um, but um, uh, we feel like the, the people are getting hungry, and, and it's getting late, and, and the restaurants are just about to close, Lord. And um, so we feel like that it would be better if, if you would just... Um, wrap it up. <laughs> and the Lord says, you're, you're, you're concerned about the people. Yes, Lord, it's, it's all about the people. <laughs> and then, maybe you've never seen this, but I want you to pretend you're that disciple. Look, 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 look what he says then in verse 13. So he said to them, well, then you give them something to eat. Excuse me. <laughs> yeah. You and your little group over there, you're concerned about the people. Why don't you give them something to eat? Okay. It, it didn't go like you planned, did it? But now you have to report back to the committee. See, that's the hard part, always reporting back to the committee. So you go back over and they say, well, did you tell them the people were hungry? Yes, I did. It. I, told, I, 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 I used those words exactly. I said the people are hungry. So is he going to dismiss the service? Well, what did he say? He said for us to give them something to eat. <laughs> what? 
What did he say? He said for us to give them something to eat. What? Oh, look, this is a disaster. Just wait till the first church of the Pharisees hears about this. Oh, oh, oh. oh. And then there's some little kid that snuck back into town, and he's walking by, and he's got a long John Silver sack. And so, you know, they just kind of grabbed the sack, and they opened it up. He got the two-piece meal with extra rolls. And you can imagine Peter, you know, Peter probably just grabbed one of the rolls and just, and they said, stop it, Peter, stop it. That's all we have, that's all we have. And then one of them said, that's it. I said, what's it? Let's tell Jesus, this is all we have. And he'll dismiss the service. Now, I want you to think, think with me just for a moment, think about this. If you had never read this story in the Bible and you had 20,000 people and a two-piece meal, and you said, this is all we have, don't you think he would have dismissed the service? Does it, that, doesn't that make sense? It does it, yes or no? Does that make sense? Listen to me. Tithing doesn't make sense. Doing it God's way doesn't make sense. But it works. So, you're, again, you're the spokesman, and so, you know, you say, Lord, excuse me. Lord, just, just one more. This, uh, um, you, know, you know, a moment ago we were talking, and I was telling you how good this series is, you know, Lord. And um, you said for, uh, you know, us to, um, you know, uh, get the people something to eat, and uh, we've been working on that. And, uh, but all we have, Lord, all we have, we have uh, uh, two fish, and we have um, almost five rolls. Lord, Peter ate some. <laughs> and... Um, but, uh, but that, that's all we have, Lord. So we're thinking we should just go with our original idea and just, no, just. And the Lord said, okay, let me get this straight. You have, you have two pieces of fish and almost five rolls. I, I know how Peter is. And, and that, that's what you have, right? Yes, Lord, that's, that's, that's all we have. Oh, yeah, yeah, that'd be great. Have them sit down in groups of 50. Excuse me? Uh Lord, I, I don't think I was clear. Um, um, we, we don't have a lot of these snack packs, Lord. Um, there was a kid walking by. Peter took it from him, Lord. I didn't take it from him. Yeah, yeah, that'd be great. Have them sit down in groups 50. So now they're getting all these people to sit down in groups 50. Now, I'm gonna give you just a little bit of my personal opinion here. I think while they were getting them to sit down, I think one of them might have remembered a scripture from the Old Testament and gathered the guys together and said something like this. Hey, guys, I think I know what's going to happen. Do you remember in 2 Kings 4, Elisha fed 100 men with 20 loaves of bread? It, the bread multiplied, and they even had some left over. That, that, that's in the Bible. And we have one greater than Elisha here. By the way, the, that, those 20 loaves of bread, it, it specifically tells us they were first fruits. In other words, God can multiply the tithe. So he said, I, I, bet, I bet you when he prays over it, it's going to multiply right there in front of us. And that is actually what many Christians believe happened, that when Jesus prayed, it just multiplied. But that's not what happened. Now, here, here, here's what I, I can see happening. Peter probably just grabbed one. Cause I just kind of like Peter. He's kind of the forceful one. You know, he probably grabbed one and said, here, 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 Lord, pray over mine first. Here, pray over mine first. Here, Lord, pray over mine first. Watch, watch, watch what happens when he prays. Just watch, just watch. Pray over mine first. But look, look, look at what verse 16 says. He blessed and broke them and gave them to the disciples to set before the multitude. Okay, so here's Peter saying, here, here, Lord, here, bless mine. And so Jesus takes this piece of bread from Peter, lifts it, lifts it up to heaven and says, Father, bless it. Breaks it and hands half of it back to Peter. Uh, are you through praying? <laughs> yes, Peter. It's blessed. Now go give it away. And you just watch what happens because 
the master's blessed it. You want to pray some more? (laughs) No, Peter. Now, I know the text doesn't say this, but the principle, think about the principle. Think about this. Jesus blessed it. Here's what he's thinking. Peter, you don't understand. Once you bring it to me first, and I bless it, you watch what happens. Because I've blessed it. Personally, though, I think Peter walked up to the first person and said something like this. Take just a little piece. (laughs) What would you have said? Take a little piece, a little piece. He's going down the road, you know, take a little piece, take a little piece. I said a little piece. You pig, what is wrong with you? You can't follow instructions or something, so you take, take a little piece. He gets down to the last guy. There's a crumb in his hands. Sweat from his brow down on his cheek. A little drop of sweat there. And right before the guy reaches to grab it, this crumb grows in Peter's hands. And Peter says, you can have more. (laughs) Listen, the miracle did not happen in the master's hands. It happened in the disciples' hands. Once they gave the first to Jesus and he blessed it, and then they gave over and above away. So, two principles of multiplication, all right? They're real simple. Here's number one. It has to be blessed before it can multiply. It has to be blessed before it can multiply. And we've learned from this series, the way our finances are blessed, we've seen this over and over again, is we bring the first 10% to the house of God. Even Hebrews backs it up, New Testament, that Jesus himself receives and blesses our finances. So you have to give the first. See, I know some people who give a little here and give a little there, but they don't bring the first 10% to the house of God. Listen to me, their finances are not blessed and they will never multiply because only Jesus can bless them. Think, think about this. What if the disciples had given away, given out the two fish and the five loaves before Jesus blessed it? I'm going to say that again because that's extremely important. What if they had just started giving it away and Jesus had not blessed it? Would it ever have multiplied? No. It's a blessing. It's the same way when you give a little here and a little there, but you don't bring the first 10% to the house of God. It does not have the blessing of Jesus on it. There's a couple in our church that when I shared this series one time, uh, they had been giving 10%, but they'd been giving 5% to Gateway and 5% to uh, a missions organization. And when I shared about the tithe, all the, we, we do believe in giving missions organizations, but that's over and above the tithe. The tithe comes to the local church where you are. And so they, they said, we had the check written, we tore it up, and made the check out for the full 10% to the church. And here's what they said. That was on a Sunday. On a Monday, we had been waiting, waiting for a bonus that we were supposed to receive, been told we would receive it. We'd been waiting for months for this bonus. And on Monday, it was in the mail, and they wrote a letter that said, we are so, we feel so badly that this took so long for you to get this that we actually added some to it. And the amount that they added was the exact amount that they added the day before on their check. You will never convince me. That was a coincidence. That's, it's God saying, do it my way. So it has to be blessed before it can multiply. Here's principle number two. It has to be given away before it can multiply. It has to be given away before it can multiply. So the first principle refers to, to tithing, bringing the first 10% to the local church, and Jesus blesses it. But once he's blessed it, now you can give over and above. You, you can give an, an extra offering, or, or to, for, for in our case, we call it heart for the kingdom. You can give offerings over and above to missions organizations, to things like this. Okay, but it has to be given away. Think about this. What if the disciples, after Jesus had blessed it, what if the disciples had eaten it? It never would have multiplied. Two, the two fish, five rolls. What if Jesus blessed it and then they just ate it? It never would have multiplied. There are a lot of people who will tithe, but they don't give anything above. It, and here's the, here's the sad thing. It has the potential to multiply. 
but they just keep eating it. Okay, so let me tell you how this worked out in, in my own life and in Debbie's life. Uh, I got saved nine months after Debbie and I were married. And I heard, a few months later, heard my first message on tithing, and immediately we tithe, and God began to bless us. Uh, I went to Bible college, and then I was a traveling evangelist. So I did not work at any church. I didn't receive any salary from a church at that time. I only received offerings or honorariums when I would travel and speak. And so while I'm doing that for a living, and um, the, the Lord spoke to me one day in my quiet time, and he said, I want you to get your finances in order so I can bless them. Now, I want you to think about that. That's a very important impression that I received from the Lord. I want you to get your finances in order so I can bless them. God cannot bless things out of order. And we have a stewardship department that can help you get your finances in order. So I said, well, Lord, what do you want me to do? Back then, I didn't know what to do. And he told me three things. So I'm going to tell you the three things he told me. He said, number one, get out of debt. Now, this means different things to different people. Different people have different convictions, okay? For us, we could still have a mortgage, uh, but we were not to borrow for depreciating items, only appreciating items, like a mortgage on a home. So we have a mortgage to this day, and we have had a mortgage, but we put it on a 15-year note, we do our best to pay it off, each, okay? So I just want you to know, because when I say that, I don't want you to, I want you to let the Lord apply it to you how he applies it to you, okay? So number one, he said, get out of debt. So for us, the first thing that we need to do, we had this car that was too big for us, the payment was too big, and so we sold that car and we bought a car for cash, $750. That was all we could afford. So we bought a car for $750, but I, you gotta hear me, we actually loved that car. I mean, we loved it, because we were getting our finances in order. We loved that car, we prayed over it, uh, we anointed it with oil about a quarter week, and, um, <laughs> And we drove that car. Okay, second thing the Lord said to me was don't manipulate. Don't manipulate. Now, I was in ministry, but a whole, whole bunch of people manipulate for money. And God never blesses manipulation. Manipulation comes from a root word that means witchcraft. So you, you cannot manipulate. You can't drop hints and expect God to provide for you. And so for me, I said, well, Lord, how does that work out? He said, well, when someone asks you to come speak, they say, what are your financial requirements for coming? And you say, pay our expenses and give us an offering. And some of my friends would actually say, pay, us, or, pay our expenses, give, me, give us an offering, and the offering has to be a minimum of. I never even said that. I just said, whatever, just pay our expenses and give us an offering. Here's what the Lord said to me. He said, from now on, you say, I have no financial requirements for coming. By the way, this was about 30 years ago, and I still do that to this day. I have no financial requirements coming. And the Lord said to me, I want to teach you who your provider is. That it's not how you arrange things, it's me. Now, again, other people, you can do things differently. Don't put this on, on you. Let the Lord speak to you what he wants you. So this guy calls me. I will never forget. First guy calls and says, uh, Robert, can you come and speak? I said, yes, we worked out date. He said, what are your financial requirements coming? I said, I have no financial requirements coming. And I remember he said, well, that's good because I don't even think we can pay your gas. Now, he didn't say pay your expenses. He said pay your gas. Let me tell you why that's important. We get in that $750 car. We start driving. It was to Oklahoma. We start driving to Oklahoma. I stopped to fill the car up with gas. I went in to pay for it, and the lady said to me, it's taken care of. I said, what do you mean it's taken care of? She said, because when you pulled in, God told me that I was to fill your car up with gas. And I went out and I got in the car and I said, Lord, I sure like doing it better your way than my way. <laughs> and here's the third thing the Lord said to me, give. So he said, get out of debt, don't manipulate, give. Now, I have to tell you what happened. Uh, I, I said to the Lord, uh, I said, Lord, um, I do give, I tithe. Now, I, please don't get offended by this. This is just the, what I, the impression that I got in my spirit when I said that. I said, Lord, um, I do give. I tithe. I felt like the Lord went. <laughs> I mean, that really. I, I mean, I kind of felt like it was like, <laughs> idiot. You know, I mean, that's what I felt. And I'm like, what do, you, what do you mean, Lord? I do. I give 10%. He said, you don't give 10%. You return 10%. He said, the 10% is mine. And when you read the language in the Bible, if you don't return it, then you've stolen it. That's the language. I can show it to you. 
in uh, uh, Joshua and in Malachi. Robbed and stolen. Those are the two words God uses. He used it. So I said, well, Lord, what do you mean give? He said, I mean give over and above the tithe. That's when you give. And I asked him three very important questions. I said, well, Lord, how will I know when to give? How will I know where to give? And how will I know how much to give? Aren't those important questions? Listen to his very simple answer. Here's what he said. I'll tell you. I'll tell you. My people hear my voice. My sheep hear my voice. And so I said, okay, Lord. So at, not long after that, I go to speak at a church. Now, you have to remember, the only salary that Debbie and I received was when I would go speak in the church and if they would give us an offering. And I said, you don't have to give us anything. So I go to speak for this church, and it's the only speaking engagement I have for the whole month. I only have one engagement that whole month, all right? And it's at a church with about 60 people in attendance. And I go and I speak at that church, and I said, I have no requirements coming. The pastor gets up afterwards. He tells the whole church that. He said, he has, he has no financial requirements coming. I want us to give an offering, and I want us to give a, a, a good offering. So they count it, and then they bring a check to the pastor. And we're standing like right here at the front, and the pastor brings me this check. He says, look at this. Look at this. He said, we've never given this much. And he was so excited to be able to do that. And I looked down at the amount, and the amount was, an, was the exact amount of our monthly budget. Exactly. And it had dollars and cents on it. And you have to remember, at that time, we also had an office, and we had an, uh, an employee, a person that helped me to set up meetings. Because some of the meetings I did were large meetings and were gathered churches together and things like that. And so I looked down, and I remember thinking, this is my only meeting for the whole month. You told me not to ask for anything, and God, you are so faithful. And while I'm looking at that check and thinking how faithful God is, I kind of glance up, and I look over the shoulder of this pastor that's talking to me, and I see at the back of the church a missionary that had just spoken right before I spoke, shared a report, and this voice said to me, give him the offering. And I remember exactly what I thought. I rebuke you, Satan. <laughs> that's, that's not God. That's not God. Get behind me, Satan. Get behind me, Satan. That is not God. I remember, this is funny, I know, but I remember even saying, that's not you. That's not you. I know you. that's not you. You would not do that, God. And the Lord said, give him the offering, the whole offering. Give him the offering. And I remember saying to the Lord, again, you just have to know that I talk to the Lord funny and he talks to me funny. I remember I said to the Lord, Lord, you're not thinking clearly. <laughs> this is the exact amount of our budget. We have no other meetings this month. You know, I, I preached a good message and you got all pumped up and you want to give to a missionary now, Lord. But this is, this is, you provided this for us. And the Lord said, give him the offering. Give him the offering. And then I remember the Lord said to me, I told you that I would tell you when to give and where to give and how much to give. And I'm telling you to give right now to that missionary the whole amount. And so the sanctuary was clearing out by now, and I endorsed the check when no one was looking, folded it in half, and I went to the missionary and said, I'm going to give you something, but don't look at it until after you leave because it was a very large amount. And I said, and um, don't ever tell anyone I did this because I didn't want to manipulate in any way. I, I have, I believe now I'm supposed to share these testimonies to help other people. But back then I didn't share any of these things that I was doing. So I gave him this offering and uh, he, he, you know, said thank you. And then Debbie and I walked outside and there were some couples standing in the parking lot. And one of the couples said, hey, we're going to go get some pizza. Do y'all want to go? And we said, yeah, you know, because we're broke, you know. And so, yeah, sure. Oh, yeah, sure. We love going to eat pizza. So we go eat pizza with them, and there are six couples total. So Debbie and I and five other couples. The six guys sat on, if you see this in your mind, sat on one end of the table. The six girls sat on the other end of the table. Debbie's all the way at the end, on that end. I'm at this end, all right? These four guys started talking about something. They got in some conversation about football or something, you know. And then this guy across from me, that I had met one time before, just once, I just met him one time, he just leans across the table like this, you know, and so I kind of lean across, I don't know what he's gonna say, and he said to me, how much was the love offering? Just like that. And again, because I'm a numbers person, I knew exactly what it was, and so I told him the number. And remember, it was an offering, not an honorarium. An honorarium is with zeros, it's a round amount, like 250 or $500 or something like that. This was an offering that had, 
you know, dollars and cents on it. So I told him how much it was. And then this guy says to me, where's the check? Like that. And, and I know you're supposed to tell the truth, but I got kind of flustered. I didn't know what to say, and I didn't know why this guy was questioning me. And so I just heard myself say, Debbie has it. And so he says to me, go get it. I want to see it. So I said, okay. So I get up and I walk down where Debbie is and I lean down to her and I said, how's your pizza? Is it good? Okay, good. There's nothing else to say. There's no check. And so I go back and again, I know you're supposed to tell the truth, but I don't know why is this guy asking me? So why is he questioning me? And I didn't want to say in my heart, I didn't want to brag. I didn't want to say, we gave it to a missionary, and it's the only meeting we have this month. I didn't want to say that. And so I just heard myself again. I said, it's in the car. (laughs) And he said, it's not in the car. So I said, where is it? I mean, you know so much, pal. I, I just, I started getting frustrated. Why is this guy grilling me like this? What is, what's going on here? And this guy said to me, who, by the way, is now a member of our church and has verified this, this testimony. This guy said to me, you gave it away, didn't you? I said, yes. I said, how do you know that? I'd only met him one time before. I said, how do you know that? He said, because God told me. And he reached in his pocket and he pulled out a check that he had written before he came to the service that night. And I found out later, which I didn't even know, he didn't even attend that church. He just heard I was speaking and God told him, go give him this check. So he writes a check out before he comes. He holds this check out that's made out to our ministry and he holds it up like this. Now listen to me, before God in heaven, and this man has verified this, it was exactly 10 times the amount of the check that I just getting right down to the penny. Exactly. He said, here. And he's holding the top of it, and I reached out and I took the bottom of it, but he wouldn't let it go. <laughs> and I, I, I realized he, he wants to tell me something. He wants to say something. I now know he wanted to impart something. You do know there's a gift of giving in the body of Christ. There's a gift of giving. That's a spiritual gift. So I'm holding the bottom. He's holding the top. He looked right across the top of the check, right into my eyes, and he said, God's about to teach you about giving so you can teach the body of Christ. And he let the check go. Here's what came into my mind when he let that check go. Here's what I thought. This is God's money. This is not my money. This is God's money. All of it from now on is God's money. By God's grace, I have had that thought with every check that I've received since then. And we've been very blessed financially because for some reason people buy the books that I write and so we've been very, very blessed. I still don't know why, but we've been very blessed. We've been able to give a whole lot to the kingdom of God. But I thought this is God's money. Do you know the first thing we did? We bought a single mother car and we still had the $750 car. We started paying people salaries that were out of work. We started giving 70% of our income to the Lord. We just started giving, and we never told anyone, and, and f- money started coming in from everywhere, and we just kept funneling it through to people. I remember in a few years later, we uh, uh, had a van that we traveled in as a green van, and uh, I remember the Lord told me to actually to sell it, and we traveled all the time at that time. My son, who's, who's uh, my oldest son, Josh, some of you know him, um, when he was three years old, we were somewhere speaking, and someone actually said to him, where do you live? He said, in the van. So, um, so the Lord told me to sell the van for $12,000. I sold it. We went to the mission field right after that, and this missionary uh, what, drove this old rickety van, and I said, why don't you get you a new van? He said, I'm about to. He said, God showed me last week a van that we're going to buy. I said, how much is it? Anyone want to take a guess? $12,000. And we bought that van. I, we've been living this way for years giving and giving and giving extravagantly. And, and it, it's verified. The elders of the church know it. Steve knows it. Steve is telling me I'm one of the highest givers in the church. 
That's not because of my salary. It's because of the outside income that the Lord's blessed me with. And I'm grateful for that. But let me wrap this up. Let me tell you what happened. A few years after this, I was having my quiet time. And the Lord just spoke to me one day. I was reading in Philippians about Jesus gave up everything. And the Lord said to me, would you give me everything? And when he said it, I knew what he meant. He meant everything in my personal checking account, everything in our, Debbie mine, everything in our personal savings, everything in our ministry account, and everything in our ministry savings, which would be like a business account. That was where, where our income came from. Everything in our retirement. At that time, we had two cars, both cars, and our house. And the way we, we did that, by the way, because we gave it to a pastor that had five children, and the church said the best way for you to do it would be to, for the church to buy the house as a parsonage, and then you give the proceeds back to the church. And so that was what we did. And there's the man who did that, who oversaw that transaction, is also a member of our church now, and can verify that we gave that to the church. So, and that was not Gateway, that was the church I was a member of a long time ago. So, anyway, we gave everything away. So the next morning, I'm thinking about it, and I'm because I'm a math person, I'm adding it up in my mind. All these accounts, you know, the, the cars, the house, I'm adding it up, and the Lord said to me, what are you doing? I said, nothing. <laughs> he said, no, what, what are you doing? I said, well, I don't want to tell you what I'm doing. And you know, if you're thinking something, but you don't tell him what you're thinking, he doesn't know. He knows, just so you know, he knows. So I said, well, Lord, I said, I, I, I'm not having a real spiritual thought right now, so I don't want to tell you. He said, tell me what you're thinking. I said, well, you know that old saying, you can't outgive God? He said, yeah, I've heard that. I said, um, well, I, I said, I don't mean this wrong, but I think I did. <laughs> I mean, when you add up everything that I gave, I said, this time, I think I've got you. I have no reason why I said that word. I said, I I think I've got you like that. And the Lord said to me, you think you've got me? And when he said that, the phone rang. And I picked up the phone. By the way, the man on the other end of the phone is a member of our church now and has verified this story also. I picked up the phone and I said, hello? And this guy said, Robert, God told me to help you with your transportation. And I thought, he's going to buy us a car. But even if he buys his car, um, we just gave away both cars. By the way, at that time, we'd given away nine cars. We've given away a lot more cars since then. And by the way, let me just uh, brag on the Lord through you. Last year, you, Gateway Church, gave over 100 cars to people. So it, it's contagious, the spirit of giving. And so anyway, I, I was like, well, even if he buys a car, Lord, I still got you. Because he gave away all our retirement and house. And I, so I still got you. But thank you for the car, you know. And uh, so I said, well, what did the Lord tell you to do? That's what the guy said. He told me to buy you an airplane. And he said, I'm going to pay for the maintenance and the hangar and the insurance and the fuel, and I've hired a pilot, and I'm going to pay his salary. Here's his name and number, and you just call him and tell him where you want to go and when you want to go. And the Lord said to me, gotcha. <laughs> gotcha. Now, now, now listen to me. This is not a message give and you get an airplane, okay? <laughs> By the way, to, I want to clarify, he gave the use of the airplane to us, and we gave the use of it back to him about a year later, and I, we don't have an airplane today. I don't own an airplane. The church doesn't own an airplane. So it's, this is not about an airplane, because that is not the best part of the testimony. Here's the best part of the testimony. A while after that, I was reading, and I was reading the most famous story about Solomon, and you know this story. What's the most famous story about Solomon? The most famous story about Solomon is that God said to Solomon, ask anything you want, and I'll give it to you. Can you imagine God saying that to you? Can you imagine that? So I'm reading that, and I thought, it said at night, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream and said, ask anything you want. So I thought, and the Lord leads us when we're reading the Bible, I thought, I wonder what happened that day. What happened that day was he was inaugurated the king of Israel, and it was tradition for the king to sacrifice one bull 
when he was inaugurated. Do you know how many Solomon sacrificed? 1,000 bulls. 1,000. That's pretty extravagant. And I remember the Lord said to me that day, I only say to extravagant givers, ask anything you want. He said, I would never say that to a selfish person because I couldn't trust them. But I can trust givers. Now, I'm not even thinking about that Debbie and I had given away everything we had. But right then, when the Lord said that to me, he said to me, Ask. Ask anything you want. And I knew exactly what I wanted. I've been very honest with you, and you know this. I have an immoral past. I was immoral after Debbie and I were married. And I thought when she finds out, it's going to end our marriage. So I knew exactly what I wanted. I said, God, I want for Debbie and I to be passionately in love for the rest of our lives. And this May, we celebrate 35 years of marriage. That's better than an airplane. That's better than an airplane. Have you enjoyed the teaching of Robert Morris these last three weeks? Hasn't that been absolutely incredible? Hey, I want to mention something to you, and I want everybody to hang steady. This is only going to take us a few moments, but I want everybody, I want your mind, your body, your attention right in here. I'll come back at the end, and I'll do a final a prayer of dismissal. So everybody, uh, just stay, stay steady. Uh, in case you've missed any of the previous weeks, this is the third and final week. Uh, we have uh, a note page that you can go through an overview and scripture and the principles and stuff. And one's in your bulletin for today. But if you missed any of the previous two weeks, then uh, out of the information table, you can stop by and pick those up. Let me also add this. If you would like, if you miss like week one or week two, you can go on the church's website. We have special permission from Gateway Church and from Robert Morris to keep it up for a very brief amount of time, and then we're going to take it down. So if you miss week one or week two, you need to check it out on the web page. So that is available to you. I'm going to ask the guys to turn on the light, and I want you to reach in your bulletin, and among the things that are in your bulletin there today is an envelope and then a card. And on that card, it says 2016 Visionary. It looks just like this. And I want you to go ahead, everybody now, I want you to reach into your bulletin, and I want you to take out that card and that envelope, all of us doing this together. And then what, in fact, let me take just a moment because just in case you missed a bulletin somehow or you don't have one of these cards, you just lift up your hand real quickly. You don't have one of the cards or the envelopes. Guys, look around real quick. There's several people here that did not receive a card or an envelope, and so you be sure you get it to them right back there in the center, right back there in the back. So keep your hand up. Please keep your hand up until they get that to you. Just keep it up a few more moments, and they will get that to you, all right? Or you may say, well, I've got the card. I just don't have a pen. I need something to write with. If that's so, then you just lift up your hand, all right? And they'll get you a card or a pen or both. You heard what Robert Morris said. He said, the reality is we don't get into giving until we give above the tithe. That when we tithe, when we take the top 10% and we give it to God first, what we're simply doing right back there, guys, right in the center. Thank you so much. Right in the back, up in the corner. What we're simply doing when we give to the Lord the tithe, we're not really giving at that point. We're simply returning to God what is already God's. We're just giving back to God. And that's when God says, okay, now you've put me first. Now I can bless. Now I can multiply what is in your hand. And so here's what I'm asking you to do. Some of you have been like me. You've been tithing a long, long, long time. And so you're saying, hey, you know, God has helped me. I understand this principle. God has blessed my life. And so you go ahead and you check the bots. Even though you've been doing this, it's like a recommitment or a reaffirmation for you. And you just say, all right, here it is. I commit to tithe 10%, even if you've been doing it a long, long time. Others of you, 
you have not really tithed before. And so this is a step of faith for you. And here's what I want to make a promise. And I can do it not on the assurity of my word, but on the assurity of God's word. God said, you put me to the test. In fact, it's the only place in all of the Bible where God says, you can put me to the test. Everywhere else, God says, you do not test the Lord your God. Do not test me. But he said, in the matter of tithing, you test me. And if you're faithful with the tithe, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to open up the windows of heaven, and I'm going to pour you out a blessing that you can't contain. So there's a lot of us that have been tithing a long time, and we're just making a reaffirmation, a recommitment, and we check, I commit to tithe. And then many of you who are deciding today, hey, God's going to bless me with an income this week. When I come back next Sunday, I'm going to give God. I'm going to return to God what is God's. And so you would say, I commit to tithe. And so that we've all, and 100% across the board, any follower of Jesus, this is what any, any serious-minded follower of Jesus does with their income. They recognize and they give to God first what is God's. Well, then you heard Robert talk about we really get into giving when we go beyond that. And he talked to us about that. That's when we really kick into giving. And that's what we're asking you to do in this 2016 visionary. And and let me just explain it quickly and as clearly as I know how. When you and I are, are faithful in our tithe, what that takes care of, and thank God for it, and it takes care of the day to day, the week to week the month-to-month function of our church. We're able to do what we're able to do because of that. The church is able to operate and keep moving forward and advance because of the faithful tithing of the people that are a part of our church family. It's why we're able to do things like the Dream Center, to start this center. You know, we're the founders of it, and it's right in the inner city. It's the hardest part of our community. It's for drugs and gang violence, all of that. It's all around. But we are able to do that because people are tithing. We're able to do Kids Club. What is Kids Club? That is taking church to kids in very difficult areas of our community that they're never going to come to our church. Their parents are never going to bring them. Their guardians are never going to bring them. So we're going to take church to hundreds of kids every single week. We're going to do these Circle J camps and all of these things. How are we able to do that? We're able to do that because people are faithful to tithe. It's how we were able this year to add, like, Ashley Wilkinson. Ashley Wilkinson is an amazing young lady who has a passion for kids, and she works with the age group from the babies up through kindergarten. And then this year, for the first time ever, I mentioned to you earlier that our church next month is going to be 10 years uh, of age. It's going to be like our 10th year anniversary. And we have never until last year, 2015, been able to bring on a full-time children's pastor. And now we're able to do that with Pastor Anissa. And she's doing a, a phenomenal job with our kids. She's incredible. It's because of the faithful tithing of our people that we were just able to add last weekend. Pastor Randy, who's our worship pastor, and he's going to do. Aren't you glad that God sent Pastor Randy and Veronica and their family to our church? You can give them a hand if you'd like. That'd be great. And we're able to do that because the day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month, the tithing. And then we say, okay, would you pray about it? And that's all we've asked you to do, pray about what God would want you to do above that, to just say, God, what do you want me to do? And like Robert said, God's sheep hears his voice, and he'll speak. And we'll say, okay, I've returned to you the tithe. Now, above that, and because a lot of you did this last year, we were able to do some things we needed to do. We were able to add an electronic security check-in for our kids because we want this to be the safest place anywhere that a kid could go. And what we were able to accomplish with that is costly to do it, but we were able to do it because of you. We were able to now add videotaping capabilities, the image bag and stuff that we're able to do now. A lot of times people would be away and they'd say, you know what, I missed the service, I was on vacation, I was out of state, and I could only listen to it on podcast. I wish we had it on video. Now we're about to be able to add it. So if you're out of town, you can not only listen but see and be a part of the service that way. And we were able to do that because people gave above their tithe. This year, we're asking you to pray about it. And to help us, we need to keep doing some things that are necessary to expand our kids' ministry. I'm just telling you, 2016 is going to be the greatest year ever. 2016 Easter is going to be the best one we've ever had. This year is going to be the greatest year of ministry. And we're going to expand some things in the kids' area. And there's some things that we need to do. It's hard for you to tell. you seated there and knowing what's up here. But we've got a very antiquated microphone system. It is something that's been around for eons. And we need to upgrade that. And, we need, and we'll be able to do that if you'll help us. A wireless uh, microphone system, and there's computers that we've not been able to get that we'll uh, believe in God. We'll be able to get it and some staging things that we need to do, and on and on we could go. 
But I want you to pray about it. And I want you to ask God. Now, all of us, all of us who are followers of Jesus, I'm certain by now I've checked. I commit to tithe 10% of my income. But then pray about what could you do in 2016 above that? What could you do? I would not ask you to do this if we did not do it. We do this every single month. I actually started doing stuff like this with my very first job. My very first job, I was making a whopping $5.22 an hour. I don't know what I did with all that money. I was 16 years of age. I started tithing. And then I said, God, I want to be a part of something that's going to last. It's more than this car that I bought. It's more than clothes that I could purchase a 16-year-old kid. I want to do something that has last. And I found ways to be able to give above that. And been doing it every time, ever since. And so uh, there are those of you, and the reason I mention that, there are some single moms that are here. I grew up in a single mom household. My parents got a divorce. My mom was working two jobs to just take care of us three kids. And I know what that's like. I know how tight funds are. And so, but I'm saying, I want everybody to be involved. And if you're a single mom, I, I ask you to be involved, not because I don't have sensitivity toward that. I'm not asking you, telling you or asking you to give a certain amount. I'm just saying, whatever God leads you. And it may seem like it's so small. The part that you have is so small that it's insignificant, but it's not insignificant to God. And God sees your heart and that you're seeking to be generous. You may be a university student or something like that. And like, oh, man, I don't have a lot of money. But uh, just do something. Everybody doing something. So there's like those that like, hey, I want to be a part. I don't have a lot of money. It's tight financially, but I want to do, it may seem like a little, but I want to do something. And then there's a lot of us that we have been blessed by God. We have steady income. Our needs are met. You know, we eat sufficient amount of food. We, you know, we have, you know, we have what we need and God has blessed us. And I'm asking you to just pray and say, God, you've been so good to me and you've blessed me. And, and I want to be a part of something that's going to outlive me. I want to be a part of the kingdom adventure. And then there's a third group, and I want to just talk to you for just a brief moment, and then we're going to wrap this up. There are those of you, and you know who you are. I don't even know who you are. I don't know your financial equation in your life, but there are those of you that have been extraordinarily blessed by God. You heard Robert Morris talk about this outrageous kind of giving, this extraordinary giving. And some of you, through your business and through your personal finances, you could do something substantial. You could do something substantial this year that would help to advance the kingdom of God and something that would live beyond you. And so I ask you to pray. Single mom, university student, a lot of us, and then those of you who would just say, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to do some extravagant giving this year. And if all of us listen to God and all of us do what God wants us to do, God will be pleased. Needs will be met. So you've already checked, I commit to tithe in, and then just put, I commit to give during the next 12 months. You just take... You know, what you would give a month, sort of multiply that by 12 and just write that down. And then those of you that say, hey, I want to go ahead and start some seed uh, resources right now. I want to go ahead and make a contribution toward that today. You can do that. Put your name, your address, that information, and then take your card. Take your card and then just put it in the envelope like that, and we're going we're gonna to collect it. And I want us to do this. I don't want anybody to leave. We want to collect it. Everybody stay in their seat because I'm going to come back, and I'm going to make one really, really, really brief announcement, and then we'll be done. But uh, let's just pray for a moment. God, we thank you for this day. We thank you, God, that you do have an economic system whereby you want to bless our life and you want to meet our needs. And God, I thank you that you've been so good. So, Lord, help us all to just listen to you and obey you and follow it and do it your way. We ask it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. They're going to pass the popcorn buckets. I'll come right back up as soon as they do.
While they're wrapping that up, let me again say thank you. Thank you so much for being faithful. Set yourself up to be blessed by God. Make investments that are going to last for all of eternity. Hey, I'm so excited about this uh, message series we're going into next week. I want to encourage you to be here. Go ahead and pick up some extra Easter invite cards. Be getting them out to your friends. I've got some people I'm working on. I want you to be working on your friends and relationships. Why don't we stand together? We've already prayed. I know that we went a little over. Thank you for being patient with us, and we'll make it up in the weeks ahead. We'll scrub about two or three minutes off the services in the next couple of weeks <laughs> and make up for it. God bless you, everybody. Thank you for being with us. I hope you have an awesome, awesome week, and I pray that God would bless your life.